How many are glad to be in the house of the living God? This is the real church. Praise God. Amen. We are going out after the one. And as you're getting the notes, I want you to look at the other side of the announcements as your notes. And I want you to follow along today because last week we were talking about the things that we're not if we don't love Jesus. We're either a sheep or a goat. You're either going to be radical for God or you're going to be a goat. That's it. You can't be in between. And and what God is wanting to do here in Metro Praise is he's wanting to make a church that is radical. And the adults, I found this out, that we have three services. This is what we have. We have three services. We have the Friday youth service. We have a Sunday morning family service. And we have a Sunday night young adult service. Okay? What we need is all of our services plowing forward in fifth gear on fire for Jesus, caliente, fuego de Dios. Amen? And what I feel is happening right now is that the Sunday morning service is catching up to where it should be. Amen? And so I'm not, this is, today is not a rebuking message. The pastor's not upset. We're not going round three. Amen? If you want to hear round two, just go to uh, the uh, website and listen to last week's message, and you will hear a pastor that had to correct his congregation. Amen? But today it's going to be encouragement. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be what we need to be. Now, here's the deal. Here's what you have to do. Here's the commitment each one of you have to have right now. And that is you don't let this die out, but we go forward. Amen? So that means you come to prayer. You get on fire for God. Prayer then comes into the time of worship. Those coming in to join us at worship, you're not bringing dry, wet wood. You're coming ready to be sparked and set on fire. Are you all listening? When you're building a fire, if you start throwing water and blankets and, and, and wet wood on it, it will put it out. So you need to come to this place ready. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, after this, I have everything. Amen. I have been well attended to. We will be a Sunday morning service on fire. That is what we will be. We will not settle for anything less. So that means, let me tell you what that means. What that, what that looks like is adults lining this altar worshiping God in passion. You may not always want to raise your hands. You want, may want to kneel. You may weep. You may shout. But we will worship God in passion. And see, right now what I feel is I got a handful of people who want to do that. I feel that those of you who came today, who, who after I was in there praying and I came out and I saw you up here, you know who you are. I know that we are together. Now with this group, let's go forward. Amen? And let people join to us. Let them come with the spirit that we have. Not their dead, dry spirit of their other churches, not of their religious spirit. We don't want that. When people come into this church, let them see what we have and let them become like us. Amen? Amen. So I want you all just to open up your Bibles now to our opening scripture. You got the sermon up there, brother? Amen. Turn with me, uh, whoever our opening scripture is, I've forgotten. There it is. Mark 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 13. Everyone say the one. What we are experiencing in worship is that God is wanting us to love him and go deeper. And you're not going to be able to do that with sin in your heart. You're not going to do that disconnected from Christ. You you will only get connected to God if you love him outside of the church. You have to be loving God during the week and passionate for God every day. Amen? You know, this whole week I've been just, just in God's presence so powerfully this week. I have just seen so many awesome things, man. And when I came here this morning, Sunday's worship this morning felt like what I've been feeling all this week. And also put a boost on that. 
Amen. It like it brought me to another level, and that's what it should do. And that's what I believe we should have every week. And now we need to focus on getting the one, getting other people to come join with us. And the reason why I have the youth sitting in the back is because about the last two and a half, three months, as the youth group has been exploding, the adult group has been growing as well. But what happened was the adult group allowed the youth to take over the services. And that's awesome that we got youth that are on fire. But I want on Sunday morning, I want my front row right here to be with the moms and dads. I want Annalise, when she brings her family, I don't want Annalise to uh, her family to say, oh, that's a great church for young people. You know, that to me is a criticism. I don't take that as a compliment anymore. You all listening to me? I don't take that as a compliment. Not on Sunday morning. Not on Sunday morning. I take that as a compliment on Friday night. That's, that's a wonderful compliment Friday night. That's a wonderful compliment Sunday night, but not Sunday morning. Anybody comes to this church anymore on a Sunday morning and says, well, you do wonderful things for the youth here. I'm just going to say to myself, we haven't got it yet. And I'm going to keep praying. Because when Annalise brings her parents, what I want her to say is, wow, look at Isabel. That woman, that lady, that mom is on fire for Jesus. I ought to get on fire for Jesus. I want her to look at, you know, Annette and Anita and say, wow, look at those women. I want them to look at, you know, David and Hector and say, look at those men of God. I want to be a man like that man. Amen? So no more Sunday morning is for youth and children. Youth and children are invited. They are a part of our family. But what this is about is adults, you, Ophelia, uh, Louisa, adults catching on fire for God. Amen? And then let the youth, let the youth who already packed out this place Friday. You see, here's another thing. You see, I don't want, and I'm going to use Annalise and Zoila, our new girls, I don't want them ever to come in here and be disappointed. You see, because I can tell right now, they're probably walking in here going, man, I thought if the youth service was packed, why ain't the adult service packed? Why is the Sunday morning empty? Why is the Sunday morning empty? If we came here on a Friday night and it was packed and they had to grab out seats again last week, Friday, for, for, for chairs to be brought out because there wasn't enough room, almost 100 people here again Friday, I don't want them to walk in here and go, what's going on? Why isn't this place filled on a Sunday morning? You see, because what has to happen is you have to get the passion now, not only for God, but the vision is loving God and loving people. Now Luisa, now Julio, now Anita, Annette, Legia, now all of you up in these first two rows got to get a passion for the people around you. Because that is what we do here. Amen? And I'm not going to say anything other than that. I'm not going to make threats. I'm not going to say we'll shut down the Sunday morning service. Though last week I was getting a little upset. We're not going to make any threats, okay? And, and, and I'm not going to look at it any other way other than the ones that have just got it right now. And I felt it today. It's here. You know I'm not crazy because you felt something different today, right? Tell me you all felt that today. Amen? Those of you who didn't feel it, you'll get saved at the end of the service, okay? But those of you who came in here, you felt it. You know the difference. You know the difference? You feel the difference between this week and last week? That's it. That's all we're talking about. I'm not talking about you coming in here. You know, you're only here for a couple hours during the day. I'm not going to keep you four and five hours. No, it's not. We need 20 more hours of church, 20 more days of church, wasting time, Sunday school, this, Sunday school. No, no, no. We'll come from the same time period. But while we're here in this time period, let it be so fired up with God's presence that we can't help but be changing everybody around us. Amen? But, but watch this. 
When you came in today, you realized there was a difference. That's the beginning. Now we move on. That's loving God. And we keep loving God like this until he comes back. And it's like this. I want to get so close to heaven that when Jesus comes back, all he has to do is just take one step and say, oh, you're already here, Joe. Spiritually, you've already been this close to heaven. Here, just come on up. Just one more step. Amen? Some people, he's going to have to reach way down in this world to get you out because you've been a Christian, but you've been a worldly Christian. Are you listening to me? And you've been around all the people of the world. No difference between you and all the other people. And he's going to have to dig you out of the mess you're in. But I want us as a church to be so close to glory that he just says, Metro Praise, y'all just come on up here. It's time to go to heaven. Amen? That's the rapture of Metro Praise. That's the rapture of the real church, living in the presence of God. Okay, so loving God. Now, what is the next part? We love people. That's it. We start getting passionate for people. Now, the passion that we feel here, George, the passion that we feel, we sit down with our coworkers, and we begin to share that passion with them. You begin to share that with your clients. You begin to share that with your people that you're translating for on the job and the places that you work and customer service and all of the, the different jobs that you all have here. You begin to translate that passion to them. You begin to pray for them. You, be then, you, you then go out and you witness with us because not everybody in your little circle is going to come to Christ. Well, you know what? If those four people you know don't want Jesus, let's go find 400 more that do. Amen? So after you've witnessed to your friend and your coworker and, and your neighbor, now come with us on Saturdays when we are organizing mass evangelism events and start winning souls. Everybody say loving God and loving people. Amen. Are you here with me? Mark 3.13. What Jesus wants. Why are we here? What are we doing? How do we go to the next level? It's so simple. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. You see, those who come to Jesus are those that he's calling and those that he wants. So you got to think to yourself, if you're being all stubborn and stingy right now, he don't want you like that anyway. And that's why you ain't coming to him. Because you may tell you something, God ain't going to beg you and drag you into this thing. Those of you that came and didn't want to participate in the worship, you think God's just going to drag and bring you up here and make you feel his presence? No. It says those he wanted, he called, and they came. So if you ain't coming to him, you don't want him. And you know what? You think he'll be calling your name all your life? Let me tell you something. There can come a time even on this life he'll stop calling you. There came a time that when Judas, it was over for him. For Pharaoh, it was over for him. Some of us think that we'll have all these chances and we'll do a little deathbed prayer. Like, you know, if we're not right with God, we're going to pray on our deathbed. Let me tell you something. You don't come to God on your terms. You come when he calls you. And the Bible says there may come a time if you've rejected him your whole life that you'll call and he will not answer you. I don't have time to show you that. But here's what's the right way. So do it the right way. He called, they came, and they wanted him. Come on. Verse 14, he appointed 12, designating them apostles. So here's Jesus comes. Apostles are, are, means the first disciples. So he says, I'm going to start a church. He's going to build a foundation upon people. He's not going to build a church on angels. He's not going to build it upon senior citizens. He's not going to build it upon perfect people. He builds it upon average guys. Peter was a fisherman. John was a 16-year-old teenager who worked with his brother James in the fishing business. Matthew was a tax collector. He appointed them apostles. Now look what he's going to teach them. Because the foundation that he lays for these first guys is going to be the foundation that he builds his church on until he comes back. That's it. 
So what he says right at the beginning to the first 12 is what he wants to the one billionth 12. To wherever we are in the church history, whether he's going to wait another thousand years. But right now we are 2,000 years in church history. There's probably been a billion Christians since these Christians right here. But right now it's still the same. Here's what he said. He appointed them as 12. Why? That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That's it. Why did he call people unto him? Why did he disrupt Matthew's business? Why, why did he take Matthew out of being a tax collector? Isn't you know, paying taxes pretty important? Isn't making a living pretty important? Why did he take Peter away from his family? Peter had a family, wife and kids, had a great job. He didn't hurt nobody, but he needed to be called away. Why did he call away John that was 16 years old? Wasn't you know, going to school pretty important, learning a trade, making money, providing for yourself? Why did he tell them, you stop all that you're doing? And now come with me to go out and preach. Why? Because that's the most important thing we do in life. That's it. You love God. You love people. There it is. You spend time with him. You go get other people to spend time with him. Your job is to provide you a place to raise a family so that your family can see God's goodness and that they may win souls in their life. Your family is actually more important to God in preaching the gospel than it is to making you just feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. God's glory is shown in the family, and he wants the world to see his glory. So the first priority of your family is not for you. The first priority of your family is for God's glory to be seen upon the earth. You've got to think about that. God wants our families to reflect him. When my wife and I were one, the Bible says that we reflect Jesus and the bride, the bride of Christ. When Jesus comes and he marries his church, he says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, that that is the, like, like uh, the man marrying a woman. It's like Jesus marries the church, we marry a woman, we become one. Why is he showing us illustrations in life like that? Because the most important thing we do in life is we get with God and we help others find him. Can you say amen? Now let me ask you a question. How much time have you spent with him this week? How much time have you spent in God's presence? Nobody will make you pick up that Bible. Just like nobody will make you pick up that phone, ladies, and talk all night to your friends. Or fellas, turn on that ball game and sit down and watch it. Nobody's going to make you do that. How much time did you spend with the Lord today? How much time did you spend with the Lord yesterday? How much time did you spend with the Lord last week? You see, that's what he's calling you to do. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants me to do. It's not how much knowledge I have in the Bible, per se. It's not just how much, you know, uh, I help poor people, though helping poor people is good. No, the bottom line is today how God is going to judge every day of my life. How much time did I spend with Him? Secondly, how much time have you spent preaching to others? How much time have you spent preaching to others this week? How many times did you open your mouth and preach His Word to other people? How do you think His Word is going to get spread across this earth if you don't preach? Come on, David, how much time did you spend with the Lord? Joselito, Dahlia, how much time did you spend preaching? Bell, the Torres family, how much time? How much time did you all spend preaching on this side? Legia, how much time did you spend preaching this week? Now, I know Saturday evangelism was rained out because it was cold and rainy, but that didn't mean you couldn't go evangelizing during the week on your job and in the places where you're at. How much are you spending time with the Lord and preaching his gospel? Loving God, loving people. Everybody say, the one. Now, I want you to look at ten things I think Jesus wants us to be. You have notes in front of you. You've had some questions answered. Fill those out, please. They'll be helpful to you. Also, on our website, you can go over all the past messages. Use your notes and review all of those things. 
I have studied the Bible for 12 years, and I feel like there's some concepts that today are adults, and of course the family, everybody needs to hear about what Christ wants. What he wants is people to be a certain way. Now, last week, we learned through the sheeps and the goat illustration that if you're not feeding the poor, if you're not helping the needy, then you're a goat. So obviously, he wants you to do that. So I thought today, I would give you other things that Jesus wants. Maybe some of you are a new Christian, and you're just, you know, sitting back and you're saying, Pastor, teach me. Whatever you teach me, I'll do. Well, that's fine. I want to teach you today, and I'll do these things. Maybe you've been around a long time, and you've, getting a little, you've gotten a little comfortable where you're at, and you think everything's okay. Well, I'm going to remind you that everything is not okay. So for some of you, this is going to encourage you. This is going to say, okay, it's time to do it. For others of you, it's going to spur you on. Now, if you already know these things, and you're doing these things, and then what this is going to do is give you more fuel for your fire. This is going to put gasoline on your fire. <laughs> Sets you ablaze. Amen? Here are ten things I think Christ wants in our character. Number one, he wants us to be born again. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 3, verse 3. Born again, it all starts off with everyone being born again. Can everyone say that with me? Born again. Have you been born again? Kind of rhymes. Have you stopped living your old life and are you living a new life? All of our visitors here, we love you and we hope that today you will see something different in us. You'll hear the word being preached and you'll come to Christ and be born again. That you will change today, not because you're, you're, you're good or you're going to have a lot of willpower, but you'll change today because you give your life to Jesus and you let him transform you. That is always going to be our first and primary message to every person that comes here. Be born again. Because if you're not born again, you cannot have the spirit of Christ. And if the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you will have no relationship with Christ. Now, I told our young people Friday that they can go to the Church of the Holy Immaculate Conception of our first mother, the Virgin Mary, of the Twelve Apostles, you know, of the Ascension to Heaven Church. They can go there, and they can find the pictures of Jesus and the big statues of Peter. But you know what they won't find there is the Spirit of Christ. You can only get the Spirit of Christ if you're born again by Christ. Amen? And so when he says in John 3, 3, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That being born again is a spiritual rebirth. So if you are not born again, adults, you need to be born again. Just as you being born the first time did not take your effort. Being born again this time will not take your effort. Jesus has not come to make bad people good. That you're just a bad person now and you're going to change your ways and become good. No, because you can do something about that. No, Jesus Christ came to make dead people live. If you do not have Christ today, you are dead in your spirit. There is nothing you can do to come alive in your spirit. You could feed the poor till you're 104. You could give your life to just everything from the, to, you know, the Peace Corps, you know, to, to the, the homeless shelters. You could help every old lady across the street on your best day. If, if you get along with your wife, you treat your children with respect, you don't tell a lie, you don't cuss. On your best day, you are still as dead as a doornail to God spiritually. You must be born again. 
The Spirit of God must come inside of you and make your spirit alive. Everyone in this place, you need to be born again. When you are born again, you will feel God's presence. That's how you know He's alive. Is everybody with me in John chapter 3, verse 3? I want you to see that He says, once you're born again, it's, it's not of the flesh, but it's of the Spirit. And that how do you know that you're born again is because you feel it like the wind. Though we don't see the wind, we can feel it. I want you to look at John chapter 3. And now look at verse 5. Verse 5, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the what? And the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to what? Spirit. That's what Jesus wanted was a spiritual birth. He says, you must not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Listen to verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What is one of the marks that you are born of the Spirit? You will hear God's Spirit like you hear the wind. You will feel God's Spirit like you feel the wind. But you will not see it, but you will hear it and you will feel it. That is being born again. That's what we want in this church 24-7. Amen? Everyone say born again. Thank you. Let's go now to Revelations 12:11. Revelations 12:11. And I'm so glad that Anita came up to the front, but I was still a little disappointed. Because there were some of you that I spoke to during the week and I said testify. And I don't know if you were waiting for Ishmael to call your name, but I think the moment the brother said if anyone has a testimony, this place should have been filled with adults. Not teenagers coming to testify. You notice that the first two that came up were from the young adult ministry. You notice that the first two that had to thank the Lord for their salvation were young adults. And then Anita slipped in in the back. Are you listening? Never again. Never again. I'm going to make sure that never happens again. Adults, when we say it's time to pray, when we say it's time to testify on a Sunday morning, we are talking to you. We are talking to Hector. We are talking to Nancy. We are talking to Dahlia. We are talking to Anita. We are talking to you. Amen. We want to see you testify. We want to see you run up here in your high heels, your stilettos, your, your, your sophisticated look, and come and testify. Amen. Men, we want you to see you come up here with your, your hands ragged from the work and calloused and, and you dressed up nice to be here today. We want you to present yourself to the Lord, Julio, before God as men and not as boys and children. They have their day. And you, you will always be welcomed on a Friday. Do not hear this in contrast saying to you don't come on a Sunday. Rather, You will always be work, welcome on a Sunday. But what I'm saying is my adults slid to the back, let you slide to the front, and it's been reversed. So i got to remind them of that. But i just got to keep reminding of you guys who are sitting in the back like, I don't know if we're going to come back on Sunday. No, no, no. We want you here. This is normal for you to be here, but it's not normal for you to be in the front and them to be in the back. So just catching you all up. You in Revelations 12? Say, I'm there. Look at this. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see right in the middle there, George, how they overcame the devil? It says they overcame him. Who's him? The devil. How did they overcome the devil? Because of the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. And number two, the word of their testimony. They could testify. They could get up and say, man, I know God is real. I know God has changed me. And this church needs to have a church that's washed 
testifying and selfless because then they said after we testify, we're not afraid to die for him. Look what it says. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Let me tell you something. If you're afraid to testify, the moment you get put in a place of life or death situation for Christ, you'll deny him in two seconds. You can't come up here, you'll deny him in 30 seconds. Just, you'll just deny just as quick as can be. If you deny Christ, you'll live. I deny him, you know, because you're you afraid to even testify here. The Bible says they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives unto death. When we come to this church on Sunday morning, I want to see people that have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb who are not afraid to testify about it. Amen, like the old timers used to say. And I love how you had us singing in the background, hallelujah. That's just like the old time church and someone comes up and testifies over the singing of the choir. Come on, testify. Talk about what he did for you. And don't love your life so much where you can't lay it down for Christ. Don't hold on to these years of this, this life. The Bible says it's like sand just, just going right through your hand. It's, it's, it's like a vapor. You know it's when it's cold outside here and we, we breathe out and we see our, our breath and it just disappears? The Bible says that's what your life is like. Eighty years in eternity. It's just a, a breath of air. It's just sand passing through your hands. The Bible gives another illustration in Peter that it's like green grass that comes out and then the sun then comes with the heat of the day and burns the grass and it dies and withers. You see, your life is just but a grass, a blade of grass that's here and then gone. Don't hold on to it. Let it go for Jesus Christ. Be washed, testifying, and selfish. On the count of three, say those three words with me. One, two, three. And selfless. Amen. I want you now to open up to Matthew chapter 22. What does Christ want us to be? Well, he wants us to love him. He wants us to love people. And what does that look like? It looks like someone who's born again. It looks like someone who's washed, testifying, and selfless. And now what does it look like? It looks like somebody who's just passionately in love with him and others. Just someone who just can't get enough of him. You see, when we sing that song, My Soul Longs for You, do you know where that comes from? That comes from King David in the Bible. King David in the Bible. A king. This was not a loser. This was not somebody who had nothing better to do with this time except go to church. This wasn't a sissy. This was a man. This was a man that was a king over the nation of Israel. It would be like President Bush of America writing it. He wrote, my soul longs for the living God and pants after him like a deer pants after water. David, a king who ruled a nation, who had money and wealth and a beautiful family, he said, my soul pants for God like a deer pants for living water. You ever watch Discovery Channel or the Animal Planet and you see these, these animals, they, they sprint across the wilderness and they use up all this energy and when they find that pure drinking water, they just gulp it down. They just receive all that water. And David was saying, my passion is for God. And what our passion has to be is exactly what Jesus said it needs to be. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. You see, there is no room for anything else in God's kingdom. You've got to get passionate for him. Love him with everything. He'll bring you a wife or a husband to love. He'll then bring you children to love. But first and foremost, give your passion to him. Long for him as that deer pants for water. Let him fill your soul every single day. 
the person who says at any age, at any age, if, if Gilbert, if he says one day because he's been brought up in this fire, if he says one day, where is little Gilbert? Right back there? Amen. If, if Gilbert says one day, you know what, maybe he's 30 years old and he says, you know what, I've been in this since I was, you know, 13. I've been in this about 18 years now, 15 years, whatever. And he says, you know, this Bible's a little old to me. If anybody ever says that, you know what a man said one time? If you ever go to a dinner and you're full and you don't want, you go, you're full, you're going to go to a dinner and you will not want to eat anything they put before you. You know why? Because you've already eaten. How many know what I'm talking about? After your Thanksgiving dinner, you're so full. If I put your favorite food before you at that moment, you couldn't touch another bite, right? The Bible says if you ever, if you ever get to the point where you're not hungry for this, it's because you're full on the garbage of this world. It's because you are full. And so what we want to teach Gilbert is every day is to reject this world and come to God and say, fill me up because you're the only one that satisfies. My soul longs for you and nothing else will do. Amen? We're not going to fill up on the junk of this world. You see, you go out in this world, fellas, David and all the men up here, listen to me. They say one out of two men right now, that's half of all men are struggling with pornography, some form of sexual addiction. That's why I talk about every week. Men, you come here, you won't enjoy God's presence. You know why? Because you're so full on pornography. You're so full, full on dirty and, and, and dirtiness and uncleanness and lust. And the same thing with the women, whatever women are addicted to, whatever sins you guys are prone to. I'm not a woman, I don't know. Whatever it is, you come here, you come here so full on your sin, you won't want to get into the presence of God. Bitterness and gossip and envy, all the things that I know that women get upset about. Bitterness and all that. You come here so bitter, you come here so upset, you will not get full on God. But if you come here and you give all your heart to God, all your soul to God, all your mind to God, you will be filled. And there is no high like the most high. There is no love like God's love. Amen? And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. So what do we do next? We love people. The Bible commands us, love our enemies. Love those who despitefully use us. Love your neighbor. Do good to people. That's what we do. We come to this church. We come here loving God, and we come loving people. This is what we do. Amen? This is what we do. Amen? We're not satisfied for anything else. We're not going to love the choir, though we may appreciate the band. We're not going to fall in love with those things. We're not going to fall in love with religion. It doesn't say love your religion with all your heart. And I love it when people tell me their religion before they tell me their love for God because it just tells me how stinky their little heart is. I love it. You know, like when you're around a child and you're like, do you need your diaper to be changed? Oh, yes, you do. You know, you just get close enough to it. And you're like, oh, yes, you do need that diaper to be changed. And I was talking to this woman. Her name was Grace. And I said, boy, that's an awesome name. Are you a Christian? She said, no, I'm a Catholic. And I'm like, yeah, you're stinky. You're a little stinky in your heart. You know why? Because you love your religion. He didn't say love being a Catholic with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He didn't say love being a Baptist, a Metro priest. He said love God. Anybody ever ask you if you're a Christian, say, yes, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what I'm saying? We don't adapt, we're not in love with titles. I'm not, you know, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a pastor. No, that's not the answer. It's I love God. I am in love with God. Forget my titles. Forget my degrees. Are you listening to me? Don't let anybody, uh, you know, don't let your testimony get weighed down by religion. Don't tell people about the church before you tell them about Christ. Don't give them an invitation to our church like, here, come to my church like you're inviting them to some banquet. No, invite them to Jesus. 
When you're out witnessing, I've come to talk to you about Jesus. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. And the church is just a byproduct of Jesus. Amen. That's it. We're not here trying to get more people in a building, more people in bricks and stone. We're not trying to convert people to our religion. We want people to know Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I loved it when she said that. I said, okay, now I know i got to preach to you. i got to get you saved. And I'm glad they know there's a difference. I'm glad they always tell me there's a difference. They say, you a Christian? No, I'm a Catholic. You're right. You know there's a difference. We ain't the same. And I love it when they say it first. Like, amen. Let me help you, let me help you become a Christian. Let me teach you what this is about. Amen. And I'm glad I'm in a city with a lot of Catholics because my family is Catholic and they came to Christ. And I know all your families can come to Christ. Amen. And we're still working on my uncles and grandparents and all of them. And you know what? We're going to get them. And I'm going to tell you what, if they don't come to Christ, they're going to be surprised when they see that Mary ain't going to help them when they get up there. Amen. Mary's going to say, I I told you, I, I told you I can't do nothing for you. This is the man. I got to tell you, man, right now, do not pray to her. Do not pray to his buddies. Do not pray to anybody other than the man, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, if you're there, say, I'm there. Jesus replied, oh, I got the same scripture right here, so that's why you got to have your Bibles with you. That was a copy and paste error right there. Let me see. Did I make it right in the next one? No, I didn't. Uh, Stand up and read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, please. Without holiness, no one can see who? No one can see who? The Lord. Look at that. Make every effort to live in peace with all men, to be holy. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. People think that because they came to a church, were baptized, even in a church like ours, they think that because they've read their Bible, they've prayed, that they're going to see the Lord one day, and that God is going to bless them. That is not true. He saved you, he made you a new person, but now he expects you to live holy. You understand? You could not change yourself. So it is not you become holy first, then you're born again. No, 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 no. You start off unholy, dirty, rotten sinner. That's who we all are without Christ. Then you're born again. Now that moment you are a new person, he expects you now to live a different life. You know why? Because he's inside of you. Because he's empowering you. Because it's his goodness on the inside of you. So all of the adults, this is who we're going to be. We're going to be holy. People may come to this church and say, oh, Joe, he's a spiky-haired pastor. You know, he wears jeans. And Man, what type of church is this? I won't tell you what type of church this is. This is a holy church. Amen? This is a holy church because I'll take you right down the road to somebody that dresses up in a robe, has a little collar on. They all call him father and touch his little boys. Are you listening to me? I'll take you right over here across the street to another church where dirty old man looks at women with lust in his heart. And I'll take you over here to another church that allows their youth to smoke and drink and and still come to their youth programs. I'll tell you what this is, even though we have spiky hair and dress casual, because our holiness is not on the outside, it's on the inside. This is a holy church amen do not be mistaken about what we are we are a holy church and if you want to know what holy is it means to be separate 
And yes, I do believe in segregation. I believe in segregation of the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen? And right now the Bible says you live with them for a while. You endure with them for a while, even though your spirit groans out because you can't stand it very long. How many people know this earth is a wicked place and you longing for heaven? So the Bible says we live among them, but one day the shepherd is going to come and he's going to separate us from them. And he says the righteous shall be his and their in their light will break forth like the bright and morning sun and their glory will shine for Jesus Christ will be glorified in his holy saints the word saint means holy one he is looking for holy people and the Bible says without it you won't see the Lord now immediately I hear somebody say but pastor what about the grace of God what about the forgiveness of God read the next verse verse 15 See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter, grow, no bitter root grows up in you and causes trouble and defile many. You can miss the grace of God. How do you miss the grace of God? Because you think you're going to keep sinning and keep being forgiven. It's not like that. It is not like that. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, before there was planes, uh, you know, going, you know, uh, transcontinental from different continents, if you wanted to go from Europe to, you know, Ellis Island, New York, you got on a boat and you'd be on that boat for seven weeks. And there was a man who was talking about this, and he said that when, you, when everyone would get on the boat and, you, would, you know, you couldn't see the shore anymore, the, the captain of the ship would get everybody on the deck. And then he would say, this is your life jacket. These are the lifeboats. If this ship should sink, you go for these things. This is what you grab onto. He didn't say, when the ship sinks, grab a hold of these things. Because how many people know if you were on a ship and the guy said, when it sinks, grab these things, you would just say, turn me right around right now. You see, because the intention of the captain then would be to what? Sink the ship. This is how the grace of God is. Grace of God says, if you sink. Not when you sin. It says, if you sin, there's forgiveness. You see, what is your heart today? Are you starting off today saying, oh, well, when I sin, I get forgiveness. When I feel like just walking away from God, I'll get forgiveness. No, no, that's misusing the grace of God. You should say today, if I sin, if I sin, because I'm not planning on sinning. Sin is not in my mind. And that means if you're living with a person you're not married to, you know you'll sin tonight if you're with them. So you've got to get them out your bed and say, if. Are you listening to me? Not when. You see, we're looking for a holy people. God is looking for a church that says, if I sin, not when I sin. He's looking for people that are tired of making excuses to sin. How many agree with that? Oh, you got to see it in the Bible. I know you want to test me. Turn to 1 John. You got to test me. You got to test me. That's okay. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 8, chapter 1, 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If you're there, say, I'm there. Look at what it says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we admit that we're sinners, but saved by grace. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not, has no place in our hearts. Now listen to this, verse, uh, chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. 
But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the whole world. It says, but if anybody sins. It doesn't say, but when everybody sins. I don't sin with pornography anymore. I don't sin with uh, cursing and violence anymore. God can sanctify you. Sanctify you means to make you holy. This is now a journey of when he changes you more and more and more and more. He'll make you into somebody you never thought you could be. This is why he calls it a new creation. You and I in this church have got to make a decision. We will live holy. Why? Because Jesus wants holiness. Everybody say, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Amen. Turn with me now to the next one. Empowered by the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. God is looking for a church that is filled with His power. How many are tired of dumb and dry, silly church? Amen? I just call it silly church. Isn't it just silly? What difference does it make, man, if we all dressed up today? Does that really make a difference? Is that holiness? Nothing against you wanting to get dressed up. God bless you if you do, but does that really bring God's power down? If someone right now is struggling with sin, do we tell them get in a suit and God will magically change your life? What about all the other religious things we see today in church, you know? Book sales. You know, I see pastors come up selling books and books. And books. Let me tell you something. It's not found in somebody else's book, y'all. It's not found. Listen, I even wrote our own books. But listen to me. It's not about my book. It's, not about, it's found in the Bible. I see all the silliness of religion, just all the silliness of it. It's just so silly. I watch Christian TV sometimes, and it's just ridiculous to me. I want to see drug addicts set free. I want to see the homosexual change. I want to see men and women like yourself on these first two rows fall in love with Jesus and raise up godly families. Now, let me ask you a question. In America, as we've built these mega churches, and one day we will be a mega church because we've got a mega God, amen, and we're going to be big because we're going to reach a lot of people. But listen to me. The majority of churches that say things that tickle people's ears and preach these little sermon light messages, you know, like diet sermons. You know what I'm saying? They don't want the full sermon. It's a little diet sermon. You know, cut back on calories. Are you all listening to me? How has it worked in the last 10 years? Let's just go to the last eight years, since 2000. How well have these churches worked? Huh? How well have they worked in our city? we got churches in our city, you know. 10,000 plus, and, and I'm proud of them. Some of them are godly churches. I, I'm proud of them. I'm happy. But how well have they worked? Let me tell you the average church size in America. The average church size in America is less than 100 people. Our church is bigger than the average church in America. And what pastors are thinking in their mind is one day we'll get big, and one day we'll do this. One day we'll get big, and one day we'll do this. No, no, no. Let me tell you where it starts. It starts right now. If every church in America, the average one being 100 people, just began and said, we'll adopt this block. You ever drove up and down the street and just noticed how many churches there are? Have you ever just noticed that? You ever noticed on, especially in the inner cities and the places that need it the most, it's like, it's like liquor store, drug dealer, church on every single block. Are you all with me? If we all just got out and said, this block is mine, devil get back. And we just began to preach and we just began to lead people to Christ, we would see a nation changed. 
They say right now, as you're sitting in this, statistically speaking, as you're sitting right here, right now, three out of ten Americans are somewhere else in church too. That means 30% of America attends church sometime throughout the month at least one time. So that means three out of ten Americans, you know, you know your coworkers, they're going to a Catholic church, another one went to that Lutheran church, 30% still attend church. Not seven out of ten that don't, but that's a lot of people. You know what 30% of 300 million in America is? That is 30 million people. No, that's 90 million. Amen. 90 million. I just gave 10%. Sorry. 90 million. If 90 million Christians in America got empowered by the Spirit, we could do something. But you know what the 90 million Christians want to do today? They want to sing a little song in the choir. They want to dress up and have a fashion show. The pastor wants to preach some ridiculous message that he got out of Oprah Winfrey's Book of the Month Club thing, you know. And, and, and they want to just tickle your ears. You know, you know what happened yesterday? John, come, and, come up here and stand up. Give it up for John as he comes. Let me tell you what a real church looks like. Come on up here, brother. This brother right here, his dad owns the barber shop on our block right here. He does a good job, amen. And, and we have our basketball goals out in the summer. And so John comes by last year and he starts playing with his brother Xavier. Well, we hadn't seen him for a while. And what happened about two or three weeks ago, Xavier, his brother, was in a fight in a park over here. And while his brother was fighting, another guy came up and shot somebody watching. So it was total chaos. And this brother watched somebody get shot, bleeding right there. They all run to him. They're taking care of him. Actually, the guy, his brother was fighting, breaks down, starts crying. So you can see the tough guy that he was, okay? And just chaos breaks out. His life is rocked and his life is shattered. He then goes to Lydia House, which is a school he used to go to for, for children that have had problems in high school get expelled. And while he's there... They say to him, we're going to have a guest speaker. Don't go anywhere. Because he just is reaching out to anybody he can get help from. And while he is there sitting waiting for the guest speaker, I come in as the guest speaker. Because God brought me there that day to minister to him. See, most pastors don't want to get out of their little plexiglass pulpit because they want to be a pimp. Are you listening? But you see, you got a pastor that will go with the people. Amen? So I step out. You said amen? Amen. Come on. So I go on. I find this brother. We preach in the school, ask people who want to accept Christ to stand up. He stands up, gets saved, and he has not stopped coming to the church. He was here to evangelize yesterday when some of y'all were at home playing games. He came to preach. Now listen, so he comes yesterday to preach the gospel on Saturdays like we, like we say God commanded us to do. He came out to preach. He's a new saved Christian preaching. What y'all waiting for? And he's sitting right there, right where Ish is. And the band is just playing. The, bl- the band is just going through their worship and just practicing the Spirit of God is here. And all of a sudden, we start seeing him being moved to tears. And I'm going to let you just take it off from there. What happened to him? It, it, it's kind of crazy because I was into a life where I never thought it could change. I thought game banging was cool. I thought hanging out with my friends, you know, getting into problems was cool, looking for trouble. That was me. That's the way I was brought up and thinking that, Fighting is my way to take care of my pain. And I had got locked up. I went to Lincoln's Academy. So every time I had got locked up, I would come back here, and Joe would be the only person to talk to me, the only person that I could come to and shed my tears to, spit out what I had to say. And every time I would come here, you know, I would listen to what he had to say, but it never really got to me. I got into trouble where I would see other people get shot, but not somebody that I cared about. And when I saw somebody I cared about, get into that type of drama, I thought about, what about the other person? How do they feel when I did it to them? 
And it's crazy because I'm going to tell you straight up, I love Joe as an uncle. <laughs> as an uncle, I feel this man has saved my life. And when you were sitting right there, what happened? And you see, you know what that was? Thank you for sharing that testimony, but I wanted to focus on that last part when he was sitting there right there. You know what that was? That was the anointing. That was the anointing coming through the song before we even had the band, before there was anything. And that anointing was touching him. And then Ishmael got up, and, Jen, and then he just said, I told him about the gunshot. And Ish said, you know what? Jesus took a gunshot for you on the cross. The man began to cry, and Ishmael and then began to hug. They didn't even know each other. You know why? The anointing. Everybody give this brother a hand clap. Amen. God bless you, brother. <laughs> Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. You see, God is looking for a church that has the Holy Spirit power. He's looking for a church that is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go back up to chapter 1 of Acts and look at around verse 5 and just see what he said. Well, rather start in verse 4 on chapter 1. He says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard about me. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with this Spirit, those Santo Fuego de Dios, amen, with the fire of God. He said, do not leave until you get that Goya of the Spirit, till you get that Fuego, till you get that fire. I got some Armenian friends here. I don't know what y'all put on the spice in Armenia, but I'll tell you what. It's the oregano of God for the Italians. It is the thing that separates us from this world. Amen? And it's not stale religion. It's not just, oh, how great thou art. No, we're not singing just songs when we come here. We are worshiping God. The anointing should electrify the room. When you all get together in home Bible studies and discipleship, the presence of God should be strong in those times. When we come here to our prayer meetings, Metro Praise needs to be a church that believes in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. Never settle for anything less. Do not let a service go by where you do not feel His fire. If you don't feel it from somebody else you tap into god and get his fire amen amen and if you want to speak in other tongues in just a few moments we will lay hands on you and the gift of the holy spirit will come on you and you will speak with other tongues amen we believe in that because there is no other way i always compare it to a horse race just ask yourself this simple question anytime you think of well my church didn't do that and they don't do that down the road just ask yourself this question if you were in a horse race would you want to ride a dead horse or an alive horse. Now ask yourself that about church. Amen. When you come to church, do you want to get on a dead horse? Now you could paint the dead horse. You can make it look pretty. Amen. You could put that dead horse in a cathedral and take pictures of it. People say, I want to go to that church so I can get married there. Okay. So you want to have a dead horse. You know what I want? I want a stallion, baby. I want to put this thing in fifth gear. Giddy up, Jesus. Take me to heaven. Come on. Just, just ask yourself that. Amen. A dead horse or a live horse. We're not here to be with the frozen chosen, the cold-hearted. The fire of God is here to change our lives. Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, get on fire. Praise God. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you came today. 
Because God has a plan for Metro Praise. God has a plan for His church across America. If you want to know who I listen to, what preachers I enjoy, I enjoy preachers that have these things, churches that have these things. What I fell in love with when I first became a Christian was not dead, dry religion. I fell in love with people when I was down in New Orleans that took me out into the projects, that fed the poor, that preached the gospel. Sick people were healed. Demons were cast out. That's what I fell in love with. That's why I became a pastor. And if we're introducing you, if you're a visitor here today, and we're introducing you to this church, please understand we are not what you have experienced other places. Unless they were, you know, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out devils, and preaching everywhere, we are nothing like them. Amen? We are nothing like them. We never want to be with them. So anytime you find yourself saying, well, my church didn't do it that way, and, you know, my church did like this, well, just go back to your church and that dead mule of you think you, think you call a horse and just sit on it by yourself with your little four, no more. But we are going to go forward with Jesus. Amen? I was listening to a pastor every day of, of even a larger congregation, and, and he was talking about, you know, going out and preaching, and he was saying, oh, congregation, you know, there's, there's these people that go around saying that you have to, to, to go out and preach the gospel, you know, and stand on street corners and, and you have to knock on doors. But Jesus didn't teach that. And I'm wondering, what Jesus is he talking about? Is he talking about Jesus Lopez, the guy who sells burritos down the street? What Jesus is he talking about? I'm like, brother, you didn't read the Bible then. Let me get up on that pulpit and tell you what Jesus talked about. Jesus said in verse 18, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He said in Acts chapter 1, he said, you're going to go to Judea. You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to go to Samaria and the other most parts of the world. You've got to get up and go with the gospel. We are looking for a church that wants to go with Jesus. Amen? Now, I think it's great, and I think it's wonderful. Like I said, we preach to our families. We preach to our coworkers. That is wonderful. I'm glad that you will smile with your I love Jesus button as you give your toll to the toll attendant. Okay, that's wonderful. You have the Christian bumper sticker and T-shirt, okay? But there has to come a time where you step out of your comfort zone, meet a total stranger, and say, the only reason why I'm here is to preach to you, to get you to heaven. Amen. And that will change the world we live in. Go and make disciples. Oh, I'm so excited that somebody reached out to me. I'm so excited. I remember skateboarding in my local, uh, in downtown in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was skateboarding. These two elderly gentlemen were passing out tracks, and they said to us skateboarders, hey, can we preach you the gospel? Now I cussed them out and left them, okay, because I was a sinner on my way to hell, but I watched my friend get saved that day. And I got, when I got saved, I thought back to myself, to every person that reached out to me. And I said, what a miracle of God that is, that people went out of their way to find me skateboarding. That when I was locked up in jail, in juvenile jail, they went and brought Bible studies to me. You and I have got to go outside of these four walls and preach the gospel. Amen? I want you to beat the Jehovah Witnesses. I want you to beat them. I want you to have a race with them and say, I'll get to this block before you do. And as I leave, I'm going to tell them, don't open up for these guys. Because these guys are nuts, okay? 
I don't want them to outdo us. I want people to know about Metro Praise, knocking on doors, going out in homes, making disciples, not because we're a cult, not because you have just, you know, a real energetic leader that has led you down this path. No, because you saw in the Bible, you owe God your life, and you will go get his reward, which he died for. Jesus died for the world. He wants you to go get his reward. Do you understand that? If he died for all of sinners, how do sinners come to know him? I've got to show you that. Look with me to Romans 8. I've got to show you in Romans 8. Somebody say, preach it. Now you a preacher. Look at your neighbor and say, preach it, preacher. Amen. The word preach is not an occupation. It's an adjective. It is a verb. I am preaching. I am not a preacher by occupation. I am a Christian disciple. I'm in the fivefold ministry as an apostle starting a church. But you see, preacher is the adjective. You are a preacher. You are preaching when you talk to your friends. We are not just going, witnessing. We are witnesses. And if we don't go, the Bible says, how will they know? I want you to look. Uh, it's not chapter 8. It's chapter 10. Is it chapter 10 or is it chapter 9? Which chapter is it? Lord, help me. Amen. Thank you, brother. See, we got a preacher that can help the preacher preach. Amen. Look at it in 1014 of Romans. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone what? Preaching to them. How, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You are sent out to preach. I will not hold you back buying my books, buying my tapes, and going to your friend's house like I had one woman do the other day and tell me how great her pastor is. Well, my pastor does this. Well, my pastor preaches like this. My pastor did this. No, 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 no. We're sending you out to go preach. Amen? And when you sit down and talk about how great your God is, you're not going to brag about your church. Oh, my church is Metro Praise on 5405 West of Percy. we got a great worship band. No. When you sit down with people, you're going to say, I am one who preaches. I am preaching the gospel and I boast in the souls that have been saved. Jesus said, go make disciples. And if you and I do not go, they will not hear. That's it. Every revolution has to start with the spreading of the revolutionary knowledge. The, the revolution, the, when they call that now, they call it propaganda. This is not propaganda. This is good news. But every revolution needs people to spread the news. When they started the American Revolution, people had to go to churches and farmhouses and knock on doors and say, hey, we're not taking this junk from England anymore. We're going to throw back the, the, you know, the tea at the harbor. We're going to start fighting these guys. We've got to join together. You've got to knock on doors and say, there's a revolution against the devil. We're not taking his junk anymore. We're sending it back to hell where it came from. We've come to storm the enemy's gates and take it back and bring back the lost souls. Amen. It's time for a Holy Ghost revolution. That's what the church is. Amen. Some people want to come to the church and they want to make this place out to be like it's a cruise ship. You know, the show, the love boat, you know. They want to just come and, and sit on their chair and sip little drinks with a little umbrella. This is not the love boat. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not your skipper. Amen. This is a battleship. Hallelujah. I'm a general leading you out to lay down your life for God and defeat the devil and take back the captives. This is a battleship, and we will rescue lost sinners. 
We love the gay and homosexual community. That's why we go to Belmont and Clark, because we will rescue them. That's why we go to Humboldt Park. That's why we go to the neighborhoods. That's why we go to Ohio Park and everywhere in between, because we rescue the lost. And that's why this place must be filled, because adults, I'm going to tell you what, we've already filled it up with you. It's time for you to win your uh, your peers, your age. So when we go out this next Saturday to Ohio Park, I just don't want to see, you know, you know, S- Sister Isabella just playing with the children. No, I want you to sit down with the mother. And I want you to say, Mother, we've come to rescue you from the darkness of hell and set you free. And if she says, But I smoke, say, But I got Jesus. Be free in Jesus' name. And I want you to preach to them. You know what? Why are you letting all the young people preach for you, adults? Come on, it's time for y'all to preach. You to lay on hands. You to see somebody saved. The greatest joy of my life, even beyond, uh, you know, all the things I've experienced in family and all of that, is seeing lost souls saved. I'm going to say that again. My wife is, is with child right now. Amen. Can we praise the Lord for that? We just found out last week, and we're starting the tribe. Amen. Because we want 12. Praise the Lord. He said be fruitful. We're going to get busy with it now. But listen. I thank God for marriage, but I want to tell you what, there's something even more joyful to my heart than, than being with my wife, making babies and having babies. And my wife will tell you, it is saving souls. It is saving souls. There's nothing like it in the entire world. Saving souls because we are impacting eternity. You are impacting eternity. Their soul will either live in damnation, a state of hell, fire, and brimstone for eternity, or the soul will live on with Christ in heaven and glory and upon this new earth. You and I make a difference. And if we don't go, they won't hear. And the Bible says on judgment day, the blood of lost men's souls will be upon your hands. Blood will be upon your hands. I want to show you this illustration. I I just have to show you right here. The blood of people's souls will be upon your hands. If I got this, Jesus help me. Maybe I took it off. Oh, I hope I got it just for the Holy Ghost and fire inside of me. No, I don't got it. But I wanted to find that picture on my uh, youth service. Could you imagine standing before Jesus Christ and him saying, look at you, you're so happy. To be, let's say you're so happy. You're like, I made it. I'm in heaven. Look at all of the angels. And he says, look, before you come in, before you enjoy this, look down at your hands. And as you look at your hands, you begin to see blood on your hands. And the blood is of your friends. And he says, look at your friends. Go by you. And they start to walk past you. And he says, you didn't preach to that one. Now they go to hell. And another one walks by you. He says, you didn't preach to that one. Now another one goes by you. Could you imagine that? What do you think your friends would say to you that day? What do you think your coworkers would say to you? What do you think the people around you would say? You think they would thank you for doing their nails that one day, lady? You think they're going to thank you, Julio? Oh, thank you for remodeling my house, Julio. You're such a good carpenter. They're going to say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you preach to me? Why didn't you give me the gospel of salvation? I want Ish to come on up here because I want that point to be heard loud and clear because everyone say the one. That's what we're doing this month. This month is a soul-winning month. As he's coming up, uh, one of our altar workers, grab all the flyers we have in the back there, and I want you to start handing them out to everybody. I want you to look at that as that's happening as well. Come on, get those flyers out to everybody quickly. They're in the back. We will not be a church that is satisfied with empty chairs. We will not be satisfied with the church that does not reach out for lost souls. Everybody is getting a flyer right now. We made 5,000 of these just so that the people you win to the Lord will know how to get here. 
I want you to get this in your heart today. Because if you don't reach out, that's what it is. The blood of lost men's souls will be upon your hands. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Come on. When was the last time? If I said right now, all the people who have led somebody to Jesus stand up and testify, what would you say? Now, what what if I got even a little bit more crazy? What if I said everybody who's led somebody to Jesus this week? There's a story one time of a pastor. He came to the Lord as a little boy and became a pastor. And one day, his dad called him up and he had to go to the hospital. And he was having a massive heart attack. And there at his father's side, he went to visit him. He said to his father, do you want to accept Christ? His father had rejected Jesus his whole life. Rachel, come on up here. Let's get the piano up here as well. And this pastor is a pastor of an awesome church. And he goes and he visits his dad. He's dying in the hospital. And he wins him to the Lord. And as he wins his father to the Lord, instantly he had the memory of how he came to Jesus. Brother, you may be seated. I want her just to play for me. Everyone look up at me. And as the pastor led his father to the Lord, he died that next day. And God reminded him of when he got saved. He was a little boy. And there was a man who witnessed to his dad on the job. And he said to his dad, come to my house and I'll teach you more about the Bible. And so the dad came and he brought his little boy. And the little boy was told to sit on the porch, and the dad went in, and this man preached the gospel to the father. The father rejected the gospel. The little boy was by the screen door on the porch, heard the gospel, accepted it. Now, 50 years later or so, his dad is dying. He now leads his dad to the Lord, and he's reminded of that man who won him to the Lord as a little boy and who witnessed to his father. He then says, I wonder if that man is still alive, and I bet you he would like to know that my father came to Jesus. So he remembered the house, and he went to that same house in his town, and he went up there, and this man was a very old man, and he went up to him, and he said, you may not remember me, but I am the son of so-and-so. He says, I came to the Lord the day you preached to my dad on that porch, but my dad just came to the Lord last week before he died. I wanted to let you know that. The man said, come on in here. I want to show you something. It's a true story. Go to gatewaychristianchurch.com and you'll see the story from the man himself. And he walked in and the man said, let me show you. And he showed him the back of his Bible filled with names. And there was one name, his father's, that was not yet crossed out. And he said, I have prayed for your father to be saved because every time I witness to someone, I put their name in my Bible And I pray for them till they get saved. He said, now I can cross out his name. The pastor, a church of over 10,000 members, this church is awesome, Robert Morse, great pastor. He then says to the man, how many names do you have in your Bible? He says, over 200. You see, when we get to heaven, that's what's going to matter. 
You see, because I don't want the blood of people's souls on my hands. We made a decision this month that we were going to make this a soul-winning month. That we would call this month the one. Because Jesus said he'll leave the 99 and he'll go after the one. But before you and I can go after the one, we have to be a certain type of a person. That's why I just preached to you. You've got to be holy. You've got to live right. You've, you've got to have a passion for his, his presence and worship and long for him. But let me tell you now the eternal thing, that, the, the eternal, uh, the, the, the thing that's at stake here is souls. And I want you to stand with me. Stand with me because what we're going to do is not allow this to become our heart. We're not going to allow this to become our hands on judgment day. Jesus, I thank you today, Lord, that you brought us here. And Lord, I know that you're speaking to your people. And Jesus, we need you, Lord, to give us a heart for the lost. God, we want a heart that breaks for them and that goes out and reaches them. And Lord, I pray for every adult that's in this place right now and every young person, God, I pray that right now, that Lord, they make a decision, God, that they're going to love you and love others. That God, they're going to live holy. That God, they're going to go after you with all their heart. And that God, they're going to preach. And that God, they are going to see souls saved. Amen. Jesus, I pray now that you save those in this room that are not saved that right now they'll get saved. If you're not saved in this room, you can make your way up to this altar right now and you can accept Jesus Christ right here on your knees. Why don't you come do that? If you've come here today and you need Christ, come and do that. Just play what you were playing before, Rachel. Keep playing that. Is there anyone here that needs to accept Christ? Is there anyone here that needs to repent? Christ died a public death of humiliation. You... So you could live and you should not be ashamed to accept him. Jesus saved the lost. Now I want everyone to open their eyes and I want you to look at this altar call. That will never happen again in this church. You will never let a service go by, saints, without God's presence saving someone in our church. Because your friends will be that on your hands. Where is that lost person that would fill this altar right now? Where are they? Have you told them about Christ? Have you witnessed to them? Have you preached to them? That's what I'm talking about. I want you to raise your hands and say, Lord, make me a soul winner. I've already showed you, John, I want a soul this week. I've already showed you, John. You want me to show you some of our youth that we want to the Lord this week? Adults, where's your friend? Come on, where's your co-worker? Come on, you ain't getting off easy today. We ain't just going to have you, amen, get excited and go back home. No, you're going to have right now a conviction that church is not just about you. That church is not just for you. It is for your lost loved ones. It is for the lost community around you. Today's service is halfway complete because, yes, we caught the passion in worship. Yes, we caught the passion of prayer. But we have not yet caught the passion of soul winning.
We will be a church that soul wins. Come on, with your hands raised, say it to the Lord. I will be a soul winner, Jesus. Break my heart for the lost. Break my heart for the lost. Don't let me look at the park across from my house ever the same again. Don't let me look at the neighbor next to my my house ever the same again. I want our ushers to go get those box of flyers. Flyers are an easy way for someone to know how to get to the church once they've been saved. It is not good enough just for you to hand them a flyer. But you preach to them and then you hand it to them and say, now you want to hear more about this, you meet me here. You want to hear more about this, give my pastor a call. He'll meet you at the house. You get their phone number, I'll meet you at your house. I want now the ushers to give five cards to every person up in this church right now. Give five cards to everybody. I want you to believe that this time next week you're going to win five souls. Now we got flyers to put on doors and, you know, whatever, cars and put up at your bus stop. That's fine and cute and dandy. That works. But I'm going to tell you what. You will preach to five people this week. And after you preach to them, you're going to put that flyer in their hand and you're going to say, now come to my church and testify like how John did. I want you to pray for five people as you're getting those cards. Pray for five. If you've got six now, pray for six. That's better. Pray for six. Come on. Pray for six. Who are you going to preach to this week? Some of you might say, Pastor, I don't know six lost people. That's why you're going to come out Saturday to the Adopt-A-Block to Ohio Park in Cicero, and you're going to meet six people who don't know the Lord. See, that excuse is not going to work. Oh, i got to work, Pastor, on Saturday. Okay, well, then you're going to come Friday at 6 o'clock when we go out to the neighborhood to round up teenagers. And if that don't work for you, come Wednesday at 6 o'clock as well, because we witness right here at the bus stop before Bible class. There are three days you can witness and preach with somebody else, not including what you can do by yourself. Come on, I want names to be on the lips of people right now. Name their names. Come on. Come on, who are you going to preach to this week? Come on, name their names. I want names to come out of our lips. Let Jesus hear names today. Jesus, I'm going to preach to my aunt. I'm going to preach to Bob. I'm going to preach to Sean Bay. I'm going to preach to Sojourner. Come on, I'm going to preach to Jessica. Jesus, use our lives. Use us for your glory. Use us. Six people. They won't be on my hands, Jesus. Paul said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. There's no reason why there's never a time when people don't get saved in this church. If you're in this church right now and you wanted to get saved but you were afraid to walk to the altar, you're, you're not ready to get saved. You're not ready. You still love your life. You still love what people think about you. You're not ready. You love the devil. Because if you love Jesus, you would come out from your seat, fall on your face in front of Christians and say, I need him because you're not ashamed of him. He held himself on a cross naked, bloody, and dying for you. So before you leave this place, you better come to this altar and testify and get saved. There's no salvation for secret, secret Christians. 
I think I, I really believe that. I think some of you who have not publicly testified, I don't even think some of you are saved. I'm going to be honest with you. You say, well, Pastor, that don't sound right. I just read that to you from the Bible. It said they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, you, you might have the blood, but by the word of their testimony, not loving their life unto death. Man, if you can't testify about it, if you can't come up in front of people and say, I need to get saved, you ain't saved. You playing a game. It's something inside of you that you're holding back. Because a true man that is saved, that thief on the cross, he just said, right here I am. Save me, Jesus. I'm not ashamed. Lord, I pray for a church that will testify. And this, I want you to do that every week. Every week, I want you to do it just the way you did it until they get it. Until, they, until it's like the youth service, until I can't do it at certain times because I know if I do it, the service will go on for another half hour. And then we have to actually plan it. I want you to do it every week. Say, who wants to testify? Who wants to testify? Who's going to come up and talk about God? And on Sunday mornings, only those that are 21 years and older can do it. Jesus, send us home with conviction today. Send us home with a righteous conviction that wants more of you and less of this world. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold the hands of the person next to you. Now, we're going to start praying for each other. That Metro Praise will be the church that God called it to be. That Metro Praise will live the life that God called it to live. Father God, I pray for the neighbors. Come on, you pray for your neighbors. I'm praying for you right now. Just pray for each other. Come on. by worshiping God. How great is our God. Just keep praying for each other. We're going to take up offering, give announcements in just a few moments. But would you worship with us as we're just feeling His presence right now? God, we thank You, Lord. Some of you came up to me and said, I'll testify. Testify next week. Come with passion. Come ready. But as we're worshiping, some of you here want to be endured, endued with power. Some of you here want to speak with other tongues. I want you all just to come forward right now. Those who want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, we're going to lay hands on you today. 
to speak with other tongues. Just kind of line up shoulder to shoulder. I know there's a bunch of you, and I want you just to raise your hands. And I want you just to say this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Fill me, Jesus. Come on, just begin to say that to Him. Just fill me, Jesus. And as you start talking to Him to fill you, as we lay our hands on you, we're going to say, receive the Holy Spirit. When we say receive, don't speak English anymore. Just speak in the new language God gives you. He won't make you speak in tongues. He'll just speak to your heart the words. You have to open your mouth and speak them out, and God will bless you today. You will be endued with power. So come on, raise up your hands. Amen.